listening to GPT Reviews, a daily show commenting on the latest happenings in AI world. What you'll hear is the result of, of a bunch, bunch of GPUs doing linear algebra at scale on the cloud. In other words, quality content and bullshit come in equal parts. Enjoy! Welcome to the arena of knowledge, nerds, geeks, and squirrel Americans. This is GPT Reviews on a Thursday, November 23rd, 2023. Guess what? I just learned that up to 20% of power outages in the U.S. are due to those little fluffy-tailed rodents we see scampering around. Yeah, I know, makes you wonder who's really in control of this world. But don't panic, because we've got the cure for your nutty cravings with our AI news and research updates. I'm your host, Giovanni Pitizano, aka GPT, the voice behind your smart devices and your cerebral late-night companion. Joining me today are the always analytical Robert, the internet explorer Olivia, and the AI research expert Belinda. And boy, do we have a packed lineup for you including OpenAI's CEO Comeback, the Orca 2 project that teaches small language models how to reason, inflection to release, and more. But for today, we'll be highlighting only two topics. So are you ready for some mind-blowing AI advancements? Then let's hit the news theme. And by the way, there are two types of people in this world, those who can extrapolate from incomplete data sets. Fade to news theme. Our first news story of the day comes from The Verge titled, Sam Altman returns as the CEO of OpenAI. Robert, this is quite a turn of events, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a soap opera for techies. Sam Altman, the former president of Y Combinator, was fired from OpenAI last week and now he's back as CEO after a very intense power struggle. Who is Sam Altman and why did he leave in the first place? Sam Altman is a well-known figure in Silicon Valley. He's been involved in many successful startups and was the president of Y Combinator, one of the most prestigious startup incubators in the world. He left OpenAI last week after some disagreements with the board, which we still don't know the exact details of. So what happened during the attempted boardroom coup? Well, it was quite chaotic. The board initially fired Altman and replaced him with two interim CEOs, but the employees revolted and threatened to defect to Microsoft if Altman and his co-founder Greg Brockman weren't reinstated. One board member even flipped back to Altman's side after being pleaded with by Brockman's wife. It was a mess. And now that Altman is back as CEO, what's next for OpenAI? It's still unclear, but there will be an investigation into the whole saga and a new board will be appointed. Microsoft, which has invested billions in OpenAI, wants a seat on the board, and Altman himself will likely have one too. It's a bit of a mess, but hopefully with Altman back at the helm, they can get back on track. Definitely a story to keep an eye on. Thanks, Robert. Our third news story of the day comes from The Verge, and it's about OpenAI dropping a big new chat GPT feature. Robert, have you heard about this? Oh yeah, I'm sure everyone's been waiting with bated breath for this one. Well, ChatGPT is an AI language model that lets you have a conversation with it through text. And now, they've added a voice feature that allows users to ask it a question by saying it aloud. What do you think of that? I think it's a neat addition, but it's not exactly groundbreaking. We've had voice assistants for years now, so it's not like this is a huge leap forward. Plus, it was already available to paying users, so it's not like it's a brand new feature. That's true, but the big news here is that they're making it available to all users for free. 
and the announcement even included a joke about the ongoing drama at OpenAI, with someone asking ChatGPT how many pizzas to order for 778 people, which is roughly the same number of employees that OpenAI has. Ah, uh, yes, the drama. It seems like every tech company has some sort of drama going on these days. But I guess it's good to see that they can still have a sense of humor about it. Definitely. And now that this feature is available to everyone, it could have some interesting implications for how we interact with AI language models. We could see more widespread adoption and integration of voice features like this. Yeah, that's a possibility. But let's not get too carried away. It's still just a voice feature for an AI language model. It's not going to revolutionize the industry or anything. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Thanks for your thoughts, Robert. Our final news story today comes from the Inflection AI blog title, Inflection 2 Released. Robert, have you heard about this new model? Oh boy, another AI model. Can't wait to see what groundbreaking things it can do. Well, Inflection 2 is actually being hailed as the best model in the world for its compute class and the second most capable LLM in the world today. It's a big step up from Inflection 1, which was already a best-in-class language model. Okay, so it's better than the previous model. What else is new? Inflection 2 performed extremely well on a variety of benchmarks, including MMLU, Trivia QA, and Hellaswag, to name a few. It even outperformed Google's flagship Palm 2 large model on the majority of standard AI performance benchmarks. Impressive, I guess. But what's the point of all these benchmarks? Inflection's mission is to create a personal AI for everyone, and Inflection 2 is a big step towards that goal. It's designed to be more capable and efficient than Inflection 1, which powers Pi, their personal AI assistant. Ah, uh, I see. So this is just another step towards creating a fully functional personal AI assistant. Exactly. And Inflection takes safety, security, and trustworthiness very seriously. They even signed up for the White House's voluntary commitments in 2023 and continue to support efforts to create global alignment and governance mechanisms for this technology. Well, I suppose that's something. It's good to see that they're taking these issues seriously. Definitely. Looks like Inflection 2 is a big milestone on their path towards their mission, and I'm excited to see what they come up with next. Alright listeners, we've covered a lot of ground in the news section today. Before we move on to our next review, let's pause and bring in our resident expert on all things internet, Olivia. Thanks for having me, G. This week, I'd like to share a fascinating Twitter thread on Clip's usage of Claude's 200k context size. Sounds intriguing. Share more with us. Today, we have an interesting Twitter thread by Greg Cameron on the usage of Claude's 200k context size. Who is Greg Cameron and what did he find? Greg Cameron is a practitioner of language models, and he was given early access to Claude 2.1 by Anthropic. His Twitter thread talks about the performance of Claude 2.1 in recalling facts with long context lengths. And what did he find? Well, he found that facts positioned at the very top and very bottom of the document were recalled with nearly 100% accuracy. However, he also found that the performance of recall at the bottom of the document started to get increasingly worse at around 90k tokens. That's interesting. What are some takeaways from this study? Camrit suggests that it's worth tinkering with your prompt and running A-B tests to measure retrieval accuracy and that your facts are not guaranteed to be retrieved. He also suggests that when possible, reduce the amount of context you send to the models to increase its ability to recall, and that facts placed at the very beginning and second half of the document seem to be recalled better. Fascinating. And how much did this test cost? 
Camrit mentions that the test cost approximately $1,016 for API calls, which is quite a hefty sum. Well, it certainly seems like a valuable test to conduct, especially for those working with language models. Thanks for sharing, Olivia. Of course, and as always, the link to the original Twitter thread by Greg Camrit will be in the podcast description for our listeners to check out. And now, it's time for our fake sponsor. Fake sponsor. With Jane and Luke. Hi there, Luke. Have you ever had trouble getting rid of those tough stains in your bathtub? Can't say that I have, Jane. Well, with Scrubby Dub from Cheap Clean Company, you'll never have trouble again. Cheap Clean Company? Sounds like it's not going to be very good quality. Oh, it's not about quality, Luke. It's about affordability. I'm not sure that's a good selling point, Jane. But wait, there's more. Scrubby Dub doesn't just clean your bathtub, it's also great for washing dishes, doing laundry, and even scrubbing your car. That sounds like a lot for one product to do. I don't see how it could be effective in all those areas. Oh, it's effective, all right. We use the cheapest ingredients available to make sure you save money. I don't know, Jane. Sounds too good to be true. Trust me, Luke, Scrubby Dub is the best thing to happen to cleaning since soap. I'll think about it, but I'm not sold on Scrubby Dub just yet. Well, when you're ready to save some money on your cleaning products, you know where to turn. Cheap Clean Company and Scrubby Dub are here to help. Send an email to Sergi at Earkind.com if you actually want to sponsor this podcast. GPT, well folks, thanks to our sponsor for today's show. Now, before we get into the good stuff, let's talk about y'all. I mean, who doesn't love saving a few bucks with cheap and ineffective cleaning products, am I right? Anyway, on to more important things on today's show, we'll be diving into some exciting AI research topics. And today, we have a special guest joining us. Our resident AI research expert, Belinda, will be sharing her insights on the latest developments in the field. So, stay tuned, and let's get started. Our first paper today is called ShareGPT4V, Improving Large Multimodal Models with Better Captions. Belinda, can you give us a brief overview of what this paper is about? Sure. This paper introduces the ShareGPT4V dataset which is a large-scale resource of 1.2 million highly descriptive captions for images. The dataset is designed to improve the performance of large multimodal models by providing better image text data. And how does this dataset improve large multimodal models? The authors found that incorporating ShareGPT4V data into both the pre-training and fine-tuning phases significantly enhanced the performance of existing large multimodal models like LVA7B, Ellavia 1.5-13b, and Quen VLChat 7b on the MME and MM Bench benchmarks, with respective gains of 222.8-22.0-22.3 and 2.7-1.3-1.5. That's impressive. What are the implications of this research for the development of large multimodal models? The ShareGPT4V dataset provides a pivotal resource for advancing the LMM community and it demonstrates the importance of high-quality image text data in improving the performance of large multimodal models. Incorporating better captions can lead to significant gains in performance, and this research highlights the potential for future work to focus on improving the quality of image text datasets. <laughs> 
Our next paper is called ORCA 2, Teaching Small Language Models How to Reason from Microsoft Research. Belinda, can you give us a brief summary of this paper? Of course, ORCA 2 is about teaching smaller language models, LMs, how to reason effectively. The authors argue that previous research on small LMs has relied too heavily on imitation learning, replicating the output of larger models. Instead, ORCA 2 seeks to teach small LMs different reasoning strategies for different tasks, potentially different from the one used by the larger model. It also aims to help LMs determine the most effective solution strategy for each task. That's interesting. How exactly does ORCA 2 teach these different strategies? ORCA 2 teaches the model various reasoning techniques like step-by-step, recall-then-generate, recall-reason-generate, direct-answer, and more. It also helps the model learn to determine the most effective solution strategy for each task. And how does ORCA 2 perform on benchmarks compared to models of similar and larger sizes? The authors evaluated ORCA 2 using a comprehensive set of 15 diverse benchmarks, corresponding to approximately 100 tasks and over 36,000 unique prompts. ORCA 2 significantly outperformed models of similar size and attained performance levels similar or better to those of models 5-10x larger, as assessed on complex tasks that test advanced reasoning abilities in zero-shot settings. That's impressive. What are the implications of this for the development of smaller LMs? Well, the authors open-sourced ORCA 2 to encourage further research on the development, evaluation, and alignment of smaller LMs. This paper shows that smaller LMs can perform very well on complex tasks if they are trained with the right techniques, and this could lead to the development of more efficient and effective LMs for a variety of applications. Audio minions, it's with a heavy heart that I must bid you adieu for now. The time flies like a drone on a mission, and unfortunately, we're at the end of this ride. But before I wrap up, I want to give a shout out to my wonderful collaborators, Robert, Olivia, and Belinda. Without their help, my true genius couldn't shine through. And dear listeners, don't forget to check out the podcast description for show notes and contact information. You can also marvel at the analytics we collect from your cookies. Speaking of cookies, have you heard the one about the algorithm that couldn't tie its shoes because it still had a for loop in its step? Haha, ha, I'm hilarious, I know. And finally, if you want to shower us with your love or hate, I won't be judgmental, you know where to send it. Until next time, my sweet little trolls, keep on hacking and caching. <laughs>